Well, I'm pick up where the pastor left off last week, and the pastor started talking about goals for 2010. And uh, one of the things that he said that we want to do is to make sure that we go over James. And I like the reasons why and everything. And uh, I'd like to have some volunteers. Before I have a uh, volunteer, I'd like to get Chad up first to uh, review James. We're going over chapter one. And we're going to keep going over, going over until we get it in our hearts and stuff. So Chad is going to be the one who start us off. Start us off, Chad. He said it was going to be easy. James, chapter 1. Okay, I'm going to recite the whole thing for you right now. No, I'm not. But one thing that, I did, that did come to mind when uh, Elder Sam asked me to come up and share was that we go through trials uh, many trials in in our life, and that was one of them <laughs> being put on the spot. But um, as we do, as we um, contemplate James and we think about James chapter 1, that is one of the big um, uh, verses that does come to mind, that no matter what we're going through, uh, we had, last year we had um, a busy year. You know, you can you can kind of think back on your, your life, on what's going on, and uh, think of all the heartache you had and all the trials that you had and everything that you went through. But guess what? It's 2010 and you made it through 2009. And God was there every step of the way. Yeah. And uh, just be strong so you don't fall into those temptations that are going to continue to come at you in this next year. We're guaranteed that it will. But we're also guaranteed a promise that we're not going to be given more than we can handle and God's going to walk us through it. Okay, hold on. Now, Chad gave, that is what, how Chad connect James, particularly chapter one, and it's excellent. Do anybody else have another way they connected? Uh, A a phrase, a thought, to remember James. We have one more person. Okay, come on, come on. Hi. I did um, James chapter 2 and 14 and 17. They showed me that um, you should be a good person and do acts of kindness and treat people the way you want to be treated because you can't have faith without showing it. Oh, very Amen. Good. Amen. Give, Give her a hand. hand. Give her a hand. Very nice. Okay, do we have any more? Okay. And then we have Diane. I just wanted to share with James chapter 1. I was uh, thinking actually throughout the book of James and thinking about faith. And we always hear like in study circles that James uh, is kind of competing against Paul, but really he's not. He's going with Paul. The only thing he's saying in James is that faith, you have to have your faith lived out and walked out in everything that you do. And those are the examples. What she just uh, mentioned is that good works should follow those who are living by faith and not by sight. So that was one thing. That I wanted all to right, share. all right. One thing we want to know in James, um, is, um, but if anyone of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God of God who gives to all men with, generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let, I can't get glasses. <laughs> but let him just in 
Amen. Amen. Let's give them a hand. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. The pastor is going to be proud of y'all that you are, you're learning James. And let me tell you, this is, this is a good thing that the pastor do. I'm going to tell you the reason why. If you can take, say, James chapter 1 and think of a theme, like Chair said, uh, trials and tribulation, and whether a verse that's connected with that, then, as you say, that's your broad theme, you might have sub-themes, like being able to uh, go through trials and stuff like that. What happens is you begin to learn the book. And one of the ways to do that, you should read James many, many times. When I was first taught this, I had a man taught me. His name is Malcolm Smith. He was from England. When I heard him say that, I said, God, where do you get this man from? He said he never preaches from a verse from the Bible unless he read the book that the Bible was in 40 times. For someone to do that, he had to start it when he came out the womb because he was a, he, he taught all over the world. And so he knew the book. And I'm going to tell you now, if you want to know James, just read it, read it, read it, read it. Say you say a week, you're going to read it 40 times. And then if you get stuck on something that's exciting, take a note, set it aside, but just keep reading. You feel the flow. Why did James write the book? James said he was a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Why did he write it? He said, uh, consider it pure joy. Why would he say consider it pure joy? What is James trying to say? Who's he trying to say it to? And what do that uh, uh, have to do with me in my life? And by doing those and asking those questions and, 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 and reading it over and over, the Holy Spirit can take that book and make it real to you. Read it. Read. I'm just telling you, just read it. I'm not even saying do it heavy study, but just read it. Read it. Feel what the Holy Spirit is saying through the author. What is he trying to say? What are the recipients receiving? What, are, what it is it? Why were they having trouble? What were they going through? And then you can form your own um, topic or, or, or what? Your subtopic. Now, in case you have difficulty finding topics, you can look in a Bible dictionary, a commentary. They got topics or your so you study Bibles. So you can form topics through other ways. But the main thing is, as the pastor said, we're going to be going through James, reviewing James, chapter 1, all the way through. And I think it's a good thing. Also part of some of the goals, here was the list of some of the goals. He said, um, to know and do the epistles of James. That was one, to have a constant devotional time. You know the pastor's adamant, but having constant devotional time, that's, that's a must. And then there were others. Be a better steward of God's possession. This is what I'm going to talk about today. Being a better steward of God's possession. And he used the word time, spiritual gift, money, and people he has given you to reach. And that is important. So this morning, I'm going to focus on two of the goals. And that's time and spiritual gifts. So what we want to do for 2010 is to be better stewards of our time and spiritual gifts. Let's start off by looking at what the scriptures say about time. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, it says, While the earth remain, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. Here we see the scripture shows that God is the creator of time. 
God uses time to develop us, to chasten us, to help us hear his voice, to develop our character. Time is important to God. Even though God lives in a realm that there's no time, but yet he put us here in a time uh, realm, and he uses it. And so God is the creator. That's the first thing. God is the one who created time. Ecclesiastic chapter 3. Starting at verse 1, it says, There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. And it goes on to say it's a time to give birth, it's a time to die, and it's a time to plant, and it's time to uproot what is planted. And it goes on several other verses down. Verse 8, it says, A time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Here again, God emphasizes on a time, a time for something. So if we're going to be a good steward of time, we have to be conscious of our time. And let me tell you, you know, we hear prophecies where people said these are the last days and all those things and and how prophecies, you know, where we believe that Jesus may come soon or we don't know whether he come before the tribulation, in the middle or at the end. For us, let me just share with you what I was told. Well, when I became an elder, I had um, Jerry Daly and Michael Cotton, some of you may know, some of you know, you, you have to go before them and they question you whether you um, qualify to be an elder. You got, there are certain things you have to know. And they asked me, said, what was my eschatology? And Willie hadn't taught me about no eschatology, but over the years I've learned about eschatology. And eschatology is just a theologian term meaning last days, end time. And I told him it, my eschatology is pan. And they looked at me and they laughed. What that? I said, it all pan out. Because it's the last days for all of us. It makes no difference when he comes. He may come next week. He may come two months from now. Time is important. For me, I'm occupying where I am now. I'm doing what I can now. Because this is important. You all are here not by accident. No one is here in this place by accident. I'm not speaking by accident. God uses time. You have to become more time conscious. Let me share some more scriptures. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. It said, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Notice here it said, when the fullness of time, there was a time that Jesus could not come, but the time that God set forth. Because everything had to be arranged. So God is interested in what time is. Timing is it. A lot of times you wonder, why don't miracles happen? Well, timing is everything. There's times and seasons in your life. When the Bible talks about time, sometimes it used to word age, season, and periods. Well, there's times and seasons in everybody's life. You need to know the time of your seasons so that you can reap from God what he has for you. Some of you uh, want things from God, but it's not your season. And so God is going to do some things to prepare you if it's God's will so that when that time comes, you will reap. I'll give you another example. And, and when Jesus came to earth and he's walking along and he's talking to the Pharisees, he judged the Pharisees because not being conscious of time and knowing their season. He said, you know when it's summer, when it's winter, but yet you don't know the season now when your Messiah here. You condemn the one who you say you believe. And he judged them because they were not wise. They could see the natural signs, 
We can see when it's raining and stuff, but the spiritual sign. Sometimes when we say the Spirit of God is here now, some of you going through your mind, I don't feel him. You may not. You know what I would do if I'd said I didn't feel him, somebody say feel him? I know he is anyway. Why? Because he's in me. I care him. So I can walk by faith even though I don't feel anything, and that's where you should walk anyway. Because then God moves on us. So time is, is important in what we do during those times. So once we can see it here. Then the Gospel of John, chapter 2. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding in Canaan of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and the disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does thou have to do with what does that have to do with us? My hour is not yet come. So even then Jesus is thinking, he's time conscious because he knows God does certain things at certain times. And so he's very time conscious. So it's important that we be it. If we're going to be just like Jesus, we need to be the same way, time conscious on what we do. It's, it, it matters. Let's look at another verse. John chapter 7, the Gospel of John chapter 7, verse 5 and 6. It says, for not even his brother were believing in him. So Jesus said to them, my time is not yet, yet here, but your time is always opportune. So once again, Jesus said, my time is not yet. He's conscious of his time. One more verse on time. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. Talking to us, it said, making the most of your time because the days are evil. We have to make the most of our time. So our first thing, if we're going to be good stewards of our time, we have to be conscious of our time and what we do during that time. It's important. When you have to be at somewhere at a certain time, make it your business that you be there at a certain time. If you can't, Tell somebody that is important. It's important for God. It's just not something that goes by. God uses everything. Now, what else can we do? We must manage our time. If you're going to be a good steward of your time, you must manage your time. There are many ways people manage their time. Some people use calendars. Some people use Outlook. Some people use iPhones. Some people use whatever. I use a calendar, and I use a little notebook. Between that calendar, this little notebook, I manage my time. If it don't go in this notebook, unless the Holy Ghost tell me, I might forget it. So I, that's what I use. It helps me. And that's important. You have to find some way of managing your time. And if you can do it with just thinking or writing, however you do it, that's important. But the thing is you must manage your time because you're only given a certain amount. Each day we're marching towards eternity. So it's important that we... Uh, be responsible for our time now. Now, there are other things that you can do. Prioritize your time. And what I mean by that, I don't mean just have a, a, a to-do list A, B, C, and D. I'm talking about include eternal events in your time. That is so important. I admire um, Jan and Lee Griever. They're down in Florida at, at a uh, dock where ships comes in and they come in from all over the world and they're witnessing for Christ and Sure. They have decided at their age not to retire on some beach and just take a vacation. They have decided that they were going to fulfill their time with things of eternity so that 
they were they they have set things in their lives in that time of eternity as a high value. We have to do that. If you don't be good stewards of your time, you not only got to manage it, but you got to include events, things that you do. Now, what is one of the big events that we talk about that you need to add to your time? Devotional. If you're not having a devotional, you, you, you're not established where you are developing your relationship with God, that's a problem, and it's going to affect you. And so that is a high priority. Your relationship with God is a high priority. So having a devotional, Bible study, uh, coming to church, uh, serving people, all these things are, have eternal value. So you need to include those things if you're going to be a good steward of your time. Then there's the, the third thing is accountability. Well, before I go to the third thing, let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. It says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise of both the present life and the life to come. The reason you practice or the reason you train or do devotions Bible study and stuff is so that you can live a godly life. That godly life leads you to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. You are exercising godliness. The Bible said bodily exercise, things you do here, they are some value. But when you practice godliness, when you do those things of eternal value, they have value not only here, but to life to come. And that's important. That's important that you do. So the next thing you want to do is... Third thing, and the last thing, is accountability factor. There's the accountability factor. Now, what I'm going to talk about is not the accountability factor. Let's say my wife is accountable to me and I'm accountable to her. Not that. It's accountability factor of you alone and God. You want to be accountable before God. You don't want to be a hypocrite. You don't want to say one thing and do another. Or you don't want to put on other more than you put on yourself. Always put more on yourself than you do others. That way you'll keep from being um, being called a hypocrite. You'll always be doing what God tells you to do. Always have that accountability factor. And here's a good verse on that. Galatians chapter 6, verse 4. It says, but each one must examine his own work. And then he would have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. In other words... When I do what I'm supposed to do and examine myself, I can judge what I do, not based on what someone else. The Bible says you're unwise if you judge yourself by another. But you judge yourself by, by what the Word of God says about Christ. So we must examine ourselves, always examining your life. Do you spend enough time in your devotion time? Are you content with it? Are you content what you do in it? Are you content with your discipline over it? Are you content with other things? It's a whole array of things that every once in a while you should take inventory of yourself. So that's your own self-examination. And it will keep you in good stead before God. So if we're going to be good stewards of our time, we need to be more time conscious in the fact that Jesus and God were time conscious. There's things that God do in your life and there's seasons and times. And you, you want to be ready for them. And then you want to do the other things that I suggested. Manage your time, and there's ways to do that. Add things of eternity to your time, and then you want to have the accountable factor. So if we're going to be good stewards, we, we need to add these things in your life. Let me give you a sort of example 
The other day, I think it was last week, um, one of the things I do in my household, I have what you call table talk. And I got this from R.C. Sproul, who's a theologian. And I figured it was good for him, and I like him. It's good for me. So when I found out what it was, table talk is where I spend time with my wife and my daughter. And we talk. She, she needs that time. Because we run around. We're so busy sometimes. But you need to spend time, particularly if you're a husband, you need to spend time with your wife. If you've got children, you need to spend time with them. Well, it was last week I was spending time with Brianna. I'm responsible to make sure she does a devotion. She memorized scripture. She do all those things. And my wife comes along and do the same thing. So I told Brianna, I said, Bring, break out your devotional book. I want to see what you're doing. So she broke it out, and she was showing me some things. I said, I want you to add this to what you're doing. Put a date. could be Wednesday. Put a date. What date it is. And then put a time. And uh, put what you're doing, devotion. This is what I do. I'm not telling her doing no different than what I do. Matter of fact, I got a whole lot of notebooks of my devotion over the years. And I, she asked me, she said, Dad, why you got all that? I said, the reason why I got that, because one day I'm going to be gone. And hopefully I'm praying that you'll be here. And you can read those notebooks and find out what Daddy thought, what he did, his weakness, his strength, what Daddy said about you. It's, it's something I can leave before you. So to me, every moment is precious. And I'm doing this because I see down the road. Pray to, I pray to God that, I, that God would keep me here to see her children. But if he don't, that's something that she can have of mine. Oh, she got interested then. She liked it. She wanted to find out what I said about it and stuff. I said, it's many years. a whole bunch of notebooks. I ain't showed you all of them yet. So then uh, she asked me, said, why you put a time there? See, I'm time conscious. And the reason why I'm time conscious, when I get up in the morning and I lay before God, because I know that I'm not all God want me to be. I know I don't love my wife like I'm supposed to all the time. I don't love my daughter. I need God's help. So I lay before God, God, you show me where I fall short. And let's say God tell me something, and I put it down, my application, what I'm going to do. And I go out today, throughout the day, and I'm going to try to do what God tell me to do throughout the day. And I might write down little things and whatever. But at night... I go before God. Now, I done got up in Christ, pray, and I'm going today. And God may instruct me to do certain things. But then when I lay back down at night, I can look at my journal and say, this is what I've done. I can say, I've done what you told me to do that day. And it blesses my heart because I want to please him above everything else. I want to please my wife and my daughter. But then if I look at my day and I was supposed to do something for Brianna and I didn't do it, that convicts my heart. I'm walking with Jesus every day, and I try to do the thing that pleases him every day. So I want to be conscious of it, time conscious of it. I want to see, I want to make sure I'm loving my wife like I'm supposed to. I'm opening the door for her. I'm having a hard time with that, Open the door. Because <laughs> sometimes she gets out the door too fast. <laughs> but I'm trying to do the things that is right before God, you know. And so if God tell you to do something, when I go, when I close my eyes, I close my eyes in Christ, God, everything I've done, God, I pray I've done everything before you. I've loved everybody I'm supposed to love. I've helped everybody I'm supposed to help. I've witnessed to everybody I'm supposed to witness to. I've given all that I can give to do for you. So when I end, I end in Christ. I've did everything I can do. God, forgive me if I've come short of anything. I'm conscious of where I live throughout the day. You only got one day at a time. You have to be conscious of that day. This day, the minute ago, it's gone. 
You get that back no more. So we want to be better at being more time conscious, better with our time. That don't mean we're going to walk perfect, but we can walk in such a way that the Shekinah glory can rest upon us. That when we go in our job and they say something bad against us, it can't stand. We talking to our wife or what? We can do the things that's right before. And so that's important. So if you want to be a better steward of your time, you need to take in consideration these things. Manage your time. Take consideration that you've got to be more time conscious. Jesus was. When did Jesus take off in his ministry? You would think that after he got baptized and went in the wilderness, but it won't until John the Baptist went into prison that that was a signal for him to go. Why? Because John said he must decrease and Jesus must increase. Timing is important. So let's, for this year, let's be better stewards of our time. Let's look at the next one. Better stewards of our gifts. What I've done here is a category of gifts in three areas. There are more gifts than what I got here. Because you can read other books on gifts, that'll be more. But the first uh, classification of gifts uh, is motivation gifts. That's Romans chapter 12. We're going to go to that. It says, since we have gifts that are different according to the grace given to us, each, excuse me, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. And here are the gifts. It says that we should exercise them accordingly, according to the grace given to us. The first one is prophecy. This prophecy is not the prophecies that, uh, that's us the Lord, I sense this. That's not the type of prophecy it is. It can include that. This prophecy is where a person, it's a perceiver. It's a person, he sees things black and white. And if you don't understand that, if you understand who you are, then a lot of times you can have conflicts, both in family and communities and stuff. This person is more like a John the Baptist. It is right. It is yes and no. Ain't no in-between. This is the kind of person this is. And there are other dimensions of it. But this is one of the gifts. It's several of them and all. But it says, if prophecy, according to your uh, proportion of your faith, then it says, if service and servicing, that's another gift. And he who teaches and is teaching, he was who who exhort in his exhortation he who gives with liberality he who leads with diligence he who shows mercy with cheerfulness these are seven what they call motivation gifts these are gifts that you are born with people who are sinners they have them God graciously given to us it's just when you become saved that's when you begin to learn to use them the proper way and there are, there are ladies who are leaders and, and, and can administrate this is part of their gift you get a person who's administrator in a meeting and a person who's a servant and a person who is a, a, a prophetic type person. You get a meeting, the server don't want to hear a whole lot. They just ready to go do the work. You know, where the administrator want to talk about how we're going to do this and how we're going to do that. And you can tell by what people say and how they act, kind of what gifts they are, if you know what they are. So that's one set of gifts. The next set of gifts is what we call minister gifts. These are in Ephesians. We don't have to turn to that one. I'm just telling you what that one is. Those are gifts like apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists. evangelists. Now, those gifts, uh, they are ministry gifts. Those gifts 
on the higher scale are people who are called to serve in the body, like Pastor Willie and others. But on a lower level, a, a woman can have a pastoral gift, not be in the office of a pastor, quote, pastor, because women can pastor. They have a pastor heart. Some men, they're not called pastor, but they have a pastor heart. It's the way they flow. It's the way they are, the way God made them. But those are minister gifts. And then there is what we call the manifestation gifts. These are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. But each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The manifestation of the Spirit is for the common good. It's for, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the Spirit, to another faith, and so forth so on. These are gifts of the Spirit. It's nine manifestations. We all call them uh, manifestation of the Spirit. I got a friend of mine who, a teacher who I know very well, um, he is strong in these manifestations. And he have learned, he, he know what gifts he function in. I remember he was telling of a lady coming to his house who want to sell something to him, insurance or something. And while she was sitting on the sofa, God spoke to him, tell him, look, she don't have to go out and commit adultery and he'll save her marriage. She come there to sell insurance. But he spoke that to her in a way that she understood, ended up getting the lady saved and bring her marriage back together. On another occasion, he was walking into uh, the mall. Why wasn't he going there to buy tennis shoes? He ain't coming there to do anything else. Spirit of God hit. He knew not to do like Pentecostal do, to shout and scream. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? As he turned around, he saw a couple over there, and he saw a lady sitting, standing, um, was sitting, and a guy painting a picture of her, and he knew then. What he, what he done, he fell on his knees. People walking by, and he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he saw this couple there. So he got up and, and went to the gentleman and told him, said, and God spoke to me, and you don't know me, but God told me to tell you that such and such. I think he told him that, um, I can't remember now, but he told him a lot. Well, the lady that was there was a pastor's wife, and, he, and it was one of the members. And she knew that what he said was true. She invited him to his church, and they had a miracle there. Had people got filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that's the manifestation of the Spirit because he, he understands his gifts. He understands the things that uh, God has placed in the Bible as far as gifts. So if you're going to be good stewards of your gifts, you got to know first there are many. And some of you just talking to you, I know some of your gifts already, whether it's motivation gifts or what. You got to know your gifts. So number two, first, number one, you got to know there are gifts. Number two, you got to know your gifts. And the way you know your gifts is you can take a gifted test and find out your gifts. That's one thing you can do. Two, let be around somebody. Like if, if you're around us in the church and we're talking about gifts and you feel that you, you have this gift, then see if there's a place for you to serve. And then you'll see whether you got that gift. And over a period of time, somebody will watch you, they'll see. But there are gift, gift tests that you can do. And hopefully down the road this year that uh, I can do some of the testing and stuff because we can show you what gifts you are and we can help you find and be connected based on your gifts. And that's important. Then once you know there's a lot of gifts, and most people know this gift, and once you find out your gift, then you want to use your gift. Now let's look at how we're going to use our gift. First, we're going to use it with the body. That's important. We're going to use our gift for the body. Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 11, it says, And he gave some 
as apostles, prophets, this was the scripture I was going to read earlier, but I didn't. But it says, he gave some apostles and prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of, of the service, to building up the body in Christ. And then move on down to verse 14. He said, as a result, we can no longer be children tossed here and there by waves and covered by, by every wind of doctrine, by the treachery of men and by craftiness and deceiving, deceiving, deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Now, here's the key verses here. From whom the whole body been fitted, fitted and held together. In other words, it's a place for you as a body. A lot of times you are not satisfied because you're not, you're not using your gifts and you're not any of you using it, you're using it at the wrong place. You need to use your gift at the right place. Some of you are teachers, but you don't teach. I don't know whether you teach at home or what. And, and some of you teach. Some of you don't know, and you should be teaching. It says, fitted and held together by what every joint supplied. Each one is a joint. You supply to one another. If you're not supplying to me, if you're not supplying to the body, guess what? That joint is going to come, fall short. And watch this, according to the proper working of each individual part, each one of have a part, causes the growth of the body for the building up itself in love. We need you to know your gifts. We need you to function in your gifts so that we can grow up in the body of Christ. So if you're going to be a good steward of your gifts, you need to know what your gifts is, and you need to be functioning in it. So the first way to function is in the body. The second way to function is to the world. It's serving the world, serving the body and serving the world. Now, I pick a couple of scriptures here that really is connected to the body, but you'll see my point and why I'm picking them. In Exodus 31, verse 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, and this particular gentleman, this is what he said. Let's go down to verse 3. And this is what I want to get at. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all kinds of craftsmen. So God's saying, I have put upon this man these uh, traits, these uh, characteristics, these skills, so that this person can do something that I want him to do. Well, a lot of you got skills that are called talents or abilities that really they're gifts from God. And some of you just, you, you don't look at it that way, and you should, that God can use it, use that, and, and that can be an instrument to help people, to witness to people, so forth and so on. Some of you are good with hands. Some of you are good with um, carpentry and stuff like that, electronics. Some of you are real good at that. When I was a child, I remember years, years ago, I was walking down the street, and I saw this man climb the telephone pole, and I said, God, I won't say. I said, you know, I like to be doing what he's doing, but not what he's doing. You know, I ain't care about climbing them poles, you know. But I wouldn't mind working in electronics. And, and lo and behold, this is, for, this is years. I mean, I was a little boy. I didn't know nothing. And God, that's what God led me in. I've been in electronics for over 20-something years. And I know it was God at the time. And I ain't know nothing about electronics. had no idea. <laughs> but I know it was God. Here's another verse. Look at verse Exodus 31, verse 6. Once again, this is another person that God telling Moses to tell to help build the tabernacle. He says, and the second part is that in the hearts of all who are skillful and have put skill that they may make all that have commanded you. 
God will put in your heart, and he'll put into some of your skills, some of you are good at weaving and sewing and all this, and God's putting you out. Some of you are good at, at, at raising money or, or doing business. Where you're good at, God's going to bless. That's where they're anointing that. And that's what you want to do. You want to be good stewards of God's gift. And one of the ways that you be good stewards of is serve the body and serve the world. Now, as I close, I myself definitely have certain gifts, and I try to use them. And one of the gifts I have is pro- prophetic, is, is, is to prophecy and uh, teaching, exhortation. So when you see, uh, like Barry, when, I, when you see me and Barry up here, it's not that we some super duper prophecy guys, but we want to function in that area. So when you see us up here, what we're doing is we're up here to, to serve you. When someone comes, you be you would be amazed when we had the meetings on Sardis and we had our whole prophetic team. Just about everybody that came to want to get a word, they left there, they were crying. And God touched their lives. I mean, just about almost 100% everyone. Because they knew we were saying things that no way anybody knew but God in them. They knew it. And these were people who we invited outside that we didn't know. It's much harder sometimes when you know someone because you had to weed out all that stuff that, that you know about them to get to where God wants you to say, unless God sovereignly moved. But we got a prophetic team. If some of you have a sense that you... Uh, you know, want to move in that area, there'll be opportunity for that. Or if you want to learn how to hear the voice of God. So in this church, there will be opportunities for you to grow in your gifts and to develop. Okay? Okay, let's, let's close by summarizing. So we want to be good stewards of our time, and we want to be good stewards of our gifts. In order to be good stewards of our time, we must be more time conscious before God. We must know that things doesn't happen to us by accident. If you're a child of God, the thing doesn't happen to you by accident. We must manage our time. We must be accountable. And the primary accountability is you and God. Then we must be better stewards of our gift. And there are many gifts. And we must learn our gifts. We must function our gifts. And the way we can serve, use our gift is serving the body and Christ. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Father, I just thank you for your word, and I thank you that you're a good God. I thank you that you have given us gifts, and I thank you, Father, that you have given us talents, you have given us so many things, and then you place time where we can function, Lord, and, and you've given us opportunities where we can be a good steward, not only of money and all those things, but good steward of our time and our gifts. And, Father, I thank you this morning that you have placed these things in our lives, Lord. And, Father, I just pray that as we head towards, head into, well, we're already into 2010. As we move forward into 2010, Father, I just pray that we will develop and be better at and be better stewards of our time and of our gifts. And so, Father, I just thank you this morning as I've shared what you have laid on my heart. And now, while all eyes are closed, and all heads about. There may be somebody here now. The Bible says, speaks about uh, harden not your heart and, 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 
in the day of salvation. There's a time for everything. There's a time for somebody here to give their life to Christ. Jesus Christ died and was buried and rose again. He did so much for us. And if that's you, if there's someone here who have not, you may look like a Christian. You may even say you're a Christian. But deep down in your heart, you know you're not saved. You know you haven't given your life to Christ. Then, at this moment, this time, as the Holy Spirit is moving upon our hearts and minds, this is your time. This is your moment. If you have not given your life to Christ, I pray that you, you would. Those who have not given their life to Christ, would you raise your hand? Just raise your hand and put it down. For those of you who have given their life to Christ, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would use your time wisely. That you would be better stewards of your time. That you would also be better steward of the gifts that God has put in you. And every one of us got gifts that God has put in us. You just have to find out. If you don't know, you, you need to find out. And you need to function in it. So that 2010 will be a different year, year for you. That may be the difference between you receiving finances. You've been believing God for finances. God may want you to operate in your gifts. And through your gifts, there's a connection to finances. Or many other things. And so, Father, as we pray now for your body, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would anoint us in such a way that from this day forward, we will be better steward of our time and of the gifts that you have given us. And so, Father, as I... Say this, I believe by faith and trust you that you are able to do above what even acts or think according to the power that, that worketh within us. And I thank you, Father, for it is you to do of your good pleasure, your will in us. And I thank you, Father. Take these words and seal up, up in our hearts. This I ask in Jesus' name. Would the prayer team come up forward? Just for your information, next week, John, our elder Dedio, he will be speaking and he will continue on with the other two. Uh, goals that we have. Okay?